security is kind of getting harder and harder no matter the channel for procurement. <laughs> you know, the requirements are pretty high. Everybody is risk averse. There's a new attack vector every day. And so security is a thing that tends to stay relatively slow. And as a vendor, you still have to do all the things you need to do to prove that you're building secure software and delivering secure software. And so it's probably not the area that gets sped up the most. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Don Addington. Don's the Chief Revenue Officer at Tackle.io, a cloud marketplace platform. And in our conversation, we talk about how software companies are changing how they sell their products through cloud marketplaces. Now, we start off with Don sharing with us a description of what cloud marketplaces are and how they function. And then we dive into the reasons why software companies really need to consider selling on a cloud marketplace. And not the least of which is Don shares data that 83% of buyers are likely or extremely likely to purchase through these same cloud marketplaces. So then we dig into the 10 things that sellers need to be aware of when selling in a cloud marketplace and how it's different and how it can transform the way they sell. So we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Don, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review and give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you very much. All right, let's jump into it. Don, welcome to the show. Hey, Eddie. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to have you. So where are you joining us from? I am in uh, Bend, Oregon. Ah, love Bend. Yeah. Who doesn't, right? Yeah. Who doesn't? I, every, everybody I talk to has a similar, uh, similar reaction. I, I couldn't find Bend on a map uh, three years ago uh, or, you know, <laughs> or anything. So uh, we ended up here kind of uh, fortuitously and, and just love it. So, yeah, I know you came from a more urban area. Have you, you know, picked up any new sort of uh, outdoor-y type uh, pursuits or activities or hobbies? Yeah, it's funny. I, so I've got a couple kids, and and uh, my my son's about to be a teenager. My my daughter's uh, about nine years old, and uh, you know they uh, uh, we moved here from Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, and they've both picked up pursuits that, of course, now my wife and I have picked up. So. <laughs> Uh, my daughter started horseback riding and, you know, not many yeah. places to do that in Atlanta, right. uh, without getting in trouble. Um, and so my, both my wife actually started, she's taken, uh, my daughter all the time. So she, she picked up, you know, riding. So now I got them riding and my son's got me skiing and, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're uh, 15 minutes away from what the sixth largest ski resort in the United States. And, uh, so bachelor or hood it's bachelor. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which again, I never, I never really even knew about it. So yeah, we're, you know, up skiing, uh, every weekend and it's about to, to turn into mountain biking season here. And, uh, yeah, things that I, I didn't, uh, do consistently, uh, at least, uh, historically. So it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, plus you can take your mountain bikes up on the lifts off season, right? And ride you down. Can. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's also rather frightening because these mountains are all volcanic. And so the terrain is pretty dicey. And uh, when you don't know what you're doing, heading down, uh, you know, a black diamond <laughs> run on a mountain bike, uh, it's pretty <laughs> dicey. But when you're uh, when your 12 year old son is leading the way, you're like, hey, man, if he can do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's probably the lesson. If he can do it, I probably shouldn't. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He heals a lot faster. For sure. So so tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Tackle.io. Yeah, sure. Um, 
I, I, it's funny, you know, I mean, work uh, becomes sort of inextricable from self after a while. So it's, I think the backstory on me is, is probably helpful for tackle too. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a career software seller. Um, mm-hmm. I come from, uh, uh, it was not my intent. And I think as a lot of people that you talk to in sales, it's, that's a pretty familiar refrain is, Hey, I, I didn't, I never thought I, I fell into do. it. Yeah. yeah. I never, never thought I was going to do this, but my dad, uh, was in software his entire career. And, uh, you know, just something that I ended up getting into unintentionally and, uh, um, you know, grew up selling in the security space. And so internet security systems, uh, in Atlanta, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was my first job uh, selling software, and I realized, hey, like this is, I, I get to, I get to talk to people, I get to meet new people, I get to learn a, a lot of different things, and this is kind of, this is interesting. Let's go a little bit farther. And so right. I did about fifteen-ish <clears throat> or more. I don't know year. I haven't read my own LinkedIn lately, but uh, you know, somewhere around there in the in the security space. Um, and then um, you know, security, even though it's a super hot market, and uh, you know, a ton of companies doing well there and everything. For me, I was like, you know, it's it's kind of the same words and the same stories and the same stuff, you know, for 15 mm-hmm. years. And so I uh, got into um, uh, Pivotal and, and started working in application development and platforms. And uh, that eventually led me um, to, to work with the team here at, at Tackle. And so um, Tackle was... Uh, one of my one of my friends, uh, John Yonke, who's our, our CEO, uh, he and I were at Pivotal together, and he left and came to this company called Tackle. And I remember you do what you do. You, you know, I, I googled it up. I looked right. at the website. I had no idea what they did. It was, you know said cloud marketplaces. I, I couldn't spell marketplace. I, I didn't know what they were doing. And it was like you know three or four people here at the time. So um, it was about a year later, uh, maybe a little less, and and John and I ended up talking, and uh, so he explained to me. You know, kind of what was going on here, what the company did, what cloud marketplaces are, um, and it was a pretty compelling story because uh, it was really centering around helping sellers sell, and that's something I can get behind. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's not quite yet to the what is tackle, but you know, that's kind of how I got to, to to tackle. What was compelling to me was, hey, they're they're engaging in this space that not a lot of people knew about. And it looked like it might be a path to helping software sellers sell more. And so that was really interesting to me. Okay. So we're going to dive into that because this is, this, yeah, I think there's a lot of people still don't understand <clears throat> what cloud marketplaces are. I was talking to the CEO of a SaaS company not that long ago, did not know what it was. Um, so explain a cloud marketplace and then we'll get into, let's follow that up then with how it helps people sell more software. Sure. Um, I think the and marketplace is a very broad term, right? And, and marketplace mm-hmm. ecosystems, those you know, very very um, hot topics today and important um, avenues to sell that in a lot of ways didn't exist certainly ten years ago. But the level of maturity even five years ago wasn't wasn't great. But when we talk about just to frame the conversation, when I talk about you know cloud marketplaces, we're talking about the marketplaces that are attached to the hyperscaler cloud providers like AWS, like Azure, like GCP, like Red Hat, you know, they all have mm-hmm. these uh, fairly broad marketplaces um, that, you know, as a buyer, um, you can go purchase software, um, deploy software, you know, in the tenants that you're running in those cloud providers. Um, uh, you can, you know, buy SaaS solutions uh, through these marketplaces and, the real draw 
And everything great starts with where are the buyers, right? When you're a seller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the real draw is, you know, as cloud has become more and more important to really everybody on the face of the planet, but certainly B2B, you know, organizations, uh, enterprises, small, medium businesses, cloud has become super important um, and dollars are flowing to, to cloud. And so from a software provider perspective, um, you know, all of a sudden, if I look at my target market and I'm selling to, you know, Home Depot and Walmart and retail, I'm going to start looking at, you know, Google's cloud marketplace. They have a ton of retail uh, uh, customers that dedicate tons of their budget to spend with with GCP and mm-hmm. they can use that budget and those dollars to source software uh, through those marketplaces. So in a lot of ways, these cloud marketplaces are our distribution for the cloud era, right? So whereas before it was multi-tier, you know, reseller right. distributor relationship, the, the the cloud marketplaces are really sort of the 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 distribution tier of today. So I think for people listening, it so it's maybe the analogy to some degree to Salesforce's App Exchange. Sure, and, and that's a that's a good uh, example of of you know a, a marketplace. Um, I think what you find in you know the AWSs and Azures and G, GCPs of the world is you know I, I would say first think of kind of fulfillment. And so if you look today, the inventory there is is pretty great. You know you want to go buy HashiCorp, you want to go buy some software from McAfee, you want to go buy a security solution from Lacework. You look in these marketplaces and there's offerings from each of those providers there. What's compelling is as a seller, I can really follow a direct sales motion with my prospect and find out what's the most advantageous route for you to purchase my software. Is it as part of your AWS bill? Is it through a reseller? Is it by going with me direct? And increasingly, you know, the buyers are saying, hey, if I could get you on my AWS bill, I've got a ton of budget that's dedicated to AWS and my, my, my process to procure you can go faster. It's a pre-existing bill. So it's really right. a way to do a, a custom deal for a software seller and just fulfill it through, through you know, an AWS, a, an Azure, a GCP, a Red Hat, what have you. So in that case, from a sales standpoint, <clears throat> since somebody's qualified to be listed on you know, an AWS marketplace, mm-hmm. And yeah, from a procurement standpoint, you're not doing a separate procurement for this application. That's right. And even um, so, you're you're still you still have a, a relationship with that software provider. So let's use a specific example, right? If I'm Home Depot buying from you know a software company on the on the GCP marketplace, I'm still going to buy the software from that provider. It's going to show up on my GCP bill. Um, and what that allows is what don't I have to do? Well, I don't have to cut a check to the software provider, right. you know, I'm going to get a bill from GCP that bill already exists. So right. just not even having to set that, that buyer up in, in your procurement system or get set up in that buyer's procurement system, sure. rather, you know, that shortens the cycle. There's a, there's, you know, a dozen little things like that, that add up to be quite big things that help to sell faster. Um, legal contracts. There's there's some common contracts you can use and, and things like that that help to speed up um, the the sale process. Well, and also let's say from a <clears throat> excuse me, voice is suffering a little bit today. So from a, a security review aspect as well, does that mitigate some of the time that your IT would have to spend, you know, proving a vendor? Some of it, yes. And I think if you look at um, you know some of these providers, tackles one of them. You know, we list our software on all the marketplaces and. 
for example, you know, with, with AWS, you know, they've got, you know, well-architected, you know, architecture uh, reviews that you can go through and say, hey, we passed these, like, here's our validation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, you know, there are things that, that get sped up easier than others. Security right. is kind of getting harder and harder, no matter the channel for procurement. Right. <laughs> you know, the requirements are pretty high. Everybody is risk averse. There's a new right. attack vector every day. And so, you know, security is, is a thing that, that tends to, to stay relatively slow. And as a vendor, you still have to do, you know, all the things you need to do uh, to prove that you're building secure software and delivering secure right. software. And so it's probably not the area that gets sped up the most. I would think things around vendor management, uh, things around uh, contracts and, and legal, mm-hmm. um, and then opening up the doors to budget that, you know, frankly, might not have been available to you unless you were going through that cloud. Yeah, I mean, it sort of reminds me of, <clears throat> excuse me, of defense procurement to some degree. If mm-hmm. you've ever sold to DOD, is you need to have a contract, right? There has to be, the contract means there's budget assigned to it. So a lot of times you're, uh, in the past with companies that have been out, we're, yeah, we're looking for a contract vehicle. Yeah. It, totally. Yep. Equivalent. Yep. And as a seller, you know, to, to go back to, to that lens, I, I want to figure out the fastest way I can get purchased and the easiest way I can get purchased and where can I get the most budget. Right. And increasingly, the answer to that question is, you know, by going through these marketplaces. And I think increasingly, too, as as more companies go to a consumption-based model, it seems like marketplaces become a better way to go, perhaps. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I think the, the tagline that we use a lot here at Tackle is, is sort of meet your buyer where their wallet is at. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's step one, right? <laughs> I like got that. a bunch, I got a bunch of budget dedicated there. Like, Hey, go, go locate yourself close to the money. You know, that's number one, but for these software providers, you know, it's not just flip a switch and I get my software on the, on the digital shelf. There's integration work to be done. Uh, metering right. and consumption-based stuff is a really great example of something that each one of these uh, cloud providers has different requirements for that. So mm-hmm. if you try to kind of go do that on your own as a software company, all of a sudden you find yourself farther and farther away from your core business. Your core business is let's build great products for our customers right. and you know extend our reach and our NRR and all those great things and not spend time on the things that aren't germane to our business. And you can get wrapped up in, you know, writing to four different cloud providers, metering APIs, if you if you kind of go this on your own. And that's where Tackle really came into the picture was, let's make this connection to the marketplaces easy. Let's demystify how to sell and let's help you scale operationally because all those things absent a Tackle can be really, really difficult in one marketplace and almost impossible across four. You know, three or yeah. four of them. <clears throat> well, so let's, let's talk about that. So talk about what you do from an integration standpoint to to help software companies. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting. I think you and I were chatting a little bit. Um, I started with Tackle, you know, three years ago. We had maybe seven to ten customers when I when I started. I think ten is probably gratuitous. Uh, and, you know, we're, we've scaled up to about 400 customers today. So we have customers of all shapes and sizes. Startups that you haven't heard of yet. Um, really large companies like mm-hmm. VMware's and Dell's of the world. Um, some very you know engineering forward companies like you take a HashiCorp or, or somebody like that, and yeah. so all of them have great talent. All of them have great capability. It's just where you're going to use that talent and capability. And what Tackle's done is build. Um, think about it as really 
almost an abstraction layer in between the software provider and these cloud marketplaces. And what we say is we start with a no-code approach. You know, without mm -hmm. Tackle, you got to find an engineer, you got to find a product person, you got to figure out how to get your product onto the shelf, then you got to manage, maintain, and, you know, figure out how to scale that operationally. Right. With Tackle, we say, hey, you know, here's our platform. Our platform is going to plug in and do all those things for you so you don't have to, you know, create experts in the machinery of marketplace. Right. You can be a beneficiary of marketplace and then focus on how do you drive revenue? And that's really where we want to get to. Like almost kind of the boring and mundane stuff is, you know, how do I get my product on the shelf? But the thing sure. about most things that are boring and mundane is there's a lot of complexity behind it. Right. You know? <laughs> but absolutely necessary. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a good way to, <clears throat> to think about it too, is, is shelf space. Um, so what's a, cost or what's the process for coming oh, well, even a question before that mm -hmm. is there a specific category of software that's more suitable for you know the cloud marketplaces or is it yeah you know, virtually any SaaS type product yeah and that's a that's a really interesting question the, the simple questions usually are right so um it, there's a historical component to that question that says you know really these cloud marketplaces sprung up to cater to the users of these, you know, um, of these, of these cloud environments. So right. what I mean by that is I'm a developer, you know, I've spun up a VM on, on AWS because it's faster. I don't have to go through all my corporate red tape. So all of a sudden you got a bunch of developers hanging around building stuff in, in AWS and, you know, AWS wants to keep them there. So make it easy for them to get the tools they want to use. And so the marketplace has really started as a way for, you know, software companies get close to the people who are using the software. And so you right. would find a lot of consumption-based tools there, a lot of DevOps-based tools, right. anything that a developer would want to kind of get their hands on. That was kind of the early inventory, if you will. What's been the interesting sort of evolution of these marketplaces is, you know, it's moved from a search, find, try, and buy to more of a fulfillment model uh, where you can kind of find anything and everything. And mm -hmm. what we're finding is, you know, the, 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 the purchase power for software uh, lives outside of the users of that software, right? So you look right. at strategic sourcing, the office of the CIO, and these are the groups that are signing large, committed spend, multi-year agreements with mm -hmm. AWS and GCP and Azure. And so, you know, because the software you buy through these marketplaces can help you meet those commitments that you've made to spend with those cloud providers. Now, all of a sudden, the strategic sourcing people are like, wait a minute, can we source all of our software this right. way? Because right. it's great benefit to me. Now I'm managing one vendor. Now I'm able to commit to maybe more spend with the cloud provider, get a more advantageous financial relationship with them, and get the software I was already using. So the answer to your question is really all types of software now get sold through the marketplace where I couldn't really say that genuinely five years ago. <laughs> I'd say, eh, it's a good place if you're selling to developers. Now it really doesn't matter who your user is. You want to take a look at who's the company you're selling to and do they right. have a strategic relationship with one of these cloud providers? And if they do, you know, then you should be talking about, you know, is this a way you might want to purchase us? Yeah. Interesting. No, this is fascinating. So from a <clears throat> cost to get on a marketplace and, and there's, you talk about in your guys' literature, you know, public and private listing. So yeah. 
talk about that and this process sure. of how you get yourself listed and then, yeah, how you make yourself known or seen, yeah. let's say. Yeah. And, and some of this is, again, I'll go, I'll go back to like the historicals here, like the perception in the early days and, and really the reality probably in, in the early days um, was I'm going to put up a listing. That's my billboard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to somehow drive people to that billboard. And the ideal was, hey, the cloud provider should be driving people to that billboard. And then, you know, that listing should be easy enough for somebody to just click a button and buy and, and start using your software. Um, that use case exists, and that's called a you know a public listing, and that's you know basically you know an organic sorry organic search find try buy process catalog um, basically. That's exactly, and yeah. while a, a large volume of transactions happen that way, the largest portion of the revenue that goes through these marketplaces today happens through uh, what's called private offers, and private offers are really a way to do a custom deal between the software provider and the buyer, where you can negotiate price, you can negotiate contract terms and conditions. You can really treat it like fulfillment for a direct deal. Um, and and that that is how most of the business is happening. It's really a direct, an extension of a direct deal almost. So when you hear like public and private offerings, people are usually talking about, well, you know, we do most of our business off of our, our, our private offers. Private offers exist as sort of a, Think about it as like the back end of a public facing listing, you know, where mm-hmm. you, can, you can build a private offer really custom to a, a, an individual buyer. And right. so the, the first step on all these marketplaces is you, you got to have something that faces public, um, but it doesn't have to be software that is click and, you know, boom, you're spinning and, and deployed and, and right. using. it can really be almost any software. Um, so you can almost think about it as like, you know, hey, for that software that makes sense for me to click a button and spin up in a tenant, great. But if I'm a SaaS provider that has a, you know, an implementation process, mm-hmm. you know, my buyer just wants the financial advantage of purchasing my software on a contract with AWS that already exists. And then I'm going to take them through getting the software implemented just like I would with a normal, you know, sales process contract, right? So yeah. that's what we, when we talk about, you know, public and private offers. So most of our customers, you know, all of our customers are doing business uh, that that's private offer centric like that. And then some subset of our customers are doing business that they've got a product led growth approach, for example, or they've got sure. a bottoms up approach and, you know, people transactional and buy it and it's transactional. Um, yeah. You can do that, you know, off of, you know, a, a similar type of, of listing. So that's what the, that just wanted to make sure we kind of clarify what is. Yeah. Product product. No, I think that's a good, a good distinction though, is yeah. The public listing is basically self-service implementation, like a product led growth example, uh, very transactional, uh, whereas your private listing, your private offers, are, for a lot of SaaS companies, that's sort of their prototypical sales process. That's it's, it's, right, it's the bread and butter. Built exactly. the marketplace. Yep. And I think that's the notion that we often kind of, we Tackle comes in as, as uh, a company, and I think you know we're really the only company in the world who understands all of these marketplaces um, and how to operate across all these marketplaces. They all have different rules. You know, your public listing has to look like this on one. It needs to look mm-hmm. like that on the other one. You know, there's all these different kind of, of things that when you talk about what's the investment that I need to make as a software company to figure out how to build that listing, comply with all the rules of each one of the cloud providers just to get to selling. You know, that's a lot of the complexity that the tackle takes out of the picture. And also, you know, sitting down and talking with our customers through like, hey, how do you want to sell? What do your deals look like? And there's a, 
there's a method to the madness there that says once we know who you're targeting, how you want to sell, what your deals look like, we can overlay that with the rules of marketplace and create the listing strategy that's going to allow you to sell the way you want to sell. You know, absent tackle, there's a bunch of dark corners you can kind of go down and build the wrong thing. And then you get time to go do a deal with a customer and you can't, you know, so, so that's a lot of the, the complexity that tackle takes out of the picture. Yeah, I think it's just, as you talked about up front, it's, it's an option for companies really to explore and let's say SaaS companies is yeah. Find where the money is exactly existing contract makes it easier for internal approvals. I would mm-hmm. think for, for this, right. Cause Hey, we've got yeah. an existing contract. We're sort of leveraging on that. So certainly, yeah, I could see, and I that's funny. I don't hear many companies talk about this is yeah. What's, what's our ICP look like? Mm-hmm. Hell, I, I, get somebody and put them on companies that are, you know, must be on a marketplace. Well, I think that it goes back to, you know, ease of procurement is a killer feature. Yeah. And absolutely. if I'm a salesperson, which I am, <laughs> you know, again, I'm, I'm looking for the fastest path to getting a deal done and the, the biggest budget I can tap into. And so, in the sell in the selling process, where where this fits in is really just uh, adding adding some discovery questions to your process. If I'm a seller, and early on in the process, finding out if sure. you're selling to you know it doesn't matter X Y Z company. Hey, you know, do you guys have any strategic relationships with the large cloud providers? You might be selling business software to a marketing person who's like, I mean. I know we do a bunch of stuff with AWS, but why are you asking me that question? Yeah, I have no That's idea, important. right? You, I would invite that response, you know, because then you're sure. in a state of saying like, hey, a lot of our customers are finding it faster and they're finding more budget available to them to procure us through this channel. So I'm going to assume that you're going to want to buy us at some point in time. Like this is one of those ways that you might be able to do that. Now you might have actually turned on your marketing buyer to, oh, I'm going to go talk to my IT people or my strategic sourcing people and find out, Hey, can I tap into that budget over there? Right. Oh yeah. It's a pretty cool, like it's, it's a pretty cool sales hack. Oh, I think so too. I, yeah, I think as, as, you know, there's some companies, for instance, you know, selling in the say into the sales space where, you know, they're native in Salesforce, right. Written native in Salesforce. Well, your first qualification is you do run Salesforce, right? If you run Salesforce, you're not a prospect. I mean, you could, theoretically, somebody could give somebody the assignment to say, yeah, the second question you're asking is, yeah, are, are you on AWS, GCP, or whatever? And if they're not, maybe it gets turned over to a different rep. You're just looking for the ones that are on the marketplace or, you know, in that ecosystem. Yeah, there's, I mean, definitely all different kinds of ways to do it. We've seen, and I think this goes back to what we started talking about, you know, kind of, kind of earlier, is this convergence of, partnerships, ecosystems, like mm-hmm. it's all in service of, you know, meeting your customer where they're at and doing business the yep. way that is most advantageous to them. Um, and marketplace isn't the answer for every single deal all the time. Uh, but if you're not tapping into it as a, an option, you're missing out. And I would think about it too on like, that's the front end of customer acquisition. Right. If you think about it, some of our providers do a healthy amount of business on renewals. So they may have transacted directly with their buyer for their initial purchase or purchases. And that buyer comes back and says, Hey, I got my budget cut, you know, or, Hey, I'd like to buy more, but 
but I don't have enough budget and being able to leverage your cloud budget, you know, that buyer didn't mm -hmm. even know it was available. And you're like, Hey, well, if we put this all on your GCP bill, that rolls up under cloud budget. And we've seen a ton of, you know, kind of diving saves from that perspective or abilities to expand that otherwise would not have existed. Yeah. So there's some of the implication of what you're saying when you say, well, yeah, we'll roll up into, you know, AWS budget is that, those are fairly uh, a lot of wiggle room in those those budgets when they're given each year. They're pretty fluid. Uh, you you uh, may or may not be surprised. I mean, we <laughs> hey, we we've both been around software sales for yeah. a long time, and it's you know uh, the the dollars that get allocated to these large cloud providers are typically not accounted for by the penny. What you're doing is taking a look at hey. What is my run rate historically mm -hmm. been? What do I think my growth is going to be? And then I'm going to commit to a number, and it's usually over a period of three years. And fulfilling that commitment, you know, it isn't usually tied to, I mean, it can be, but it's not necessarily tied to any one particular group. Um, those mm -hmm. budget dollars can be made available. And, you know, smart buyers know how to work in their own organizations and say, hey, right. if I bought this software directly, it's a marketing tool. If I buy it on my AWS bill, it's part of cloud spend, you know. And during the <laughs> pandemic, we actually saw that. Like early, early days in the pandemic, here's what we saw. A lot of buyers saying, hold on, everybody just got sent home. And legal and sourcing and procurement don't work well together when they're in the same damn office. And mm -hmm. now you just send them all home. No new vendors. We're not onboarding any new vendors, right? Right. We saw a ton of that. And the smart software companies uh, who didn't want to get their, their cycles disrupted said, well, what if I could land on an existing bill? Mm -hmm. And what if I was counting against cloud budget, which really the only budgets that grew, you know, in those early, you know, six months of the pandemic were cloud budgets. Yeah. And work productivity, so, right? right? Right. Work productivity tools, cloud budgets, security. Those three, they got all the cash. And so now I'm like, hey, this is cloud spend. You're sourcing it through AWS. You're sourcing it through GCP. Um, and that was a super successful strategy. So you had mentioned before, just stepping back, as you said, there are some deals that are not appropriate to go through marketplaces. So give us an example of one of those. Well, I, I think it's um, not necessarily is the deal appropriate. It is what's the easiest path for your buyer. And... You know, that should, you know, for me, that's the guiding light as a, as a <laughs> lifelong seller is, hey, how do we make this easy for you? Now, sometimes as the seller, I'm educating you as the buyer on why this is the easy path. Right. Um, I call that the advanced jujitsu class, you know, uh, and, and not if you don't know anything about marketplace. But once you start to, you know, kind of understand how these things work, you can actually be a, a strong advocate for your buyer and, you know, turn them on to different ways to, to procure you. But, you know, you could walk in and, you know, uh, your prospect doesn't have spend with a cloud provider, mm -hmm. doesn't have a relationship with any one of the cloud providers yet. You know, then there's not going to be a ton of advantage there uh, to be gained. There's other paths for you to sell to them that are that are going to be you know easier. Um, so the other things are, you know, some of the motions, uh, especially in a, in a product led. Now, I can mm -hmm. argue marketplaces can be great for you know a product led motion. Um, a lot of the product-led motions, however, start on that 
you know, software providers web property, right? They want right. you there. They want to start you as a free trial and then they want to convert you. Well, the acquisition part maybe happening directly is fine. The expansion part where it turns into real dollars, you know, that transaction makes a lot of sense for, for marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, it's just really dependent on kind of, you know, again, where's your buyer coming from? Um, a little dependent on what's your own selling motion. If you've got a super strong motion where you're, you know, starting everybody out native on your property, like, you know, don't disrupt that, but think about how do I convert that faster and how do yeah. I expand it farther? But also thinking, and if you have insight to this is so yeah, somebody's, you know, CMO is looking to buy a, <clears throat> some sort of marketing automation tool. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to the person that owns, you know, AWS inside the company. Yeah. So what's that process look like for the CMO then to say, you know, I want in. Yeah. I, I want to take part of our, our consumption budget. Yeah. What sort of justification does there usually have to be internally and that maybe sellers have to help with to help the CMO make that case? Or is it yeah. usually there's so much room that it's fluid enough that it, that's not really the issue? Yeah. And I don't think there's a blanket, you know, one size fits all answer to that one. I think it is highly dependent on each organization. So, you know, some organizations may control those cloud dollars pretty tightly. Um, You know, others may not. Um, We see a lot of fluidity there. I think where, you know, one angle that we haven't really explored here is um, the, the reps at the cloud providers. So let's say, you know, the organization that you know, I at Tackle I'm trying to sell to is, you know, Nike, mm-hmm. right? And Nike does a bunch of business with AWS. And I'm selling, let's say Tackle was a marketing company. I'm selling that marketing tool. You know, one of the things I'm going to want to do is figure out, you know, yeah, I'll ask my buyer, you know, hey, do you guys have a good relationship with any one of the cloud providers? They may say no. They may say, yeah, whatever. The, another avenue you have to go is go work with the sales team. Go work with the rep at AWS who sells to Nike. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, I'm working on a deal here. By the way, when that deal gets fulfilled through the marketplace, that rapid AWS gets paid. So there's some there's some joint benefit here. Uh-huh. And right. so that rep goes, hey, I'm the one who's talking to the CIO about how much budget they should spend with us. You know, why don't I include this in part of that spend? You know, now you're working the system, right? And so yeah. again, as a salesperson, I want speed to deal. I want as much budget and I want as many angles to win as possible. And to your point, one of your discovery questions is, yeah, who's the rep you work with at AWS, GCP, and so on? Well, and the beauty of it is as a, as a software provider, each one of these cloud providers gives you a facility to register your, your deals with them. And registering a deal with a cloud provider does not bind you to doing a deal through that cloud provider. It right. just gives them visibility like, hey, you're there. And so when you register deals, you typically get unlocked, you know, back to you. Hey, here's the team that's working with that company. And now you can collaborate uh, together and, and co-sell um, is, is the motion you really want to get to. Is, yeah. You know, you, you want to, a lot of that is on you as a software provider to go find that first. But once you start selling more and more and more, you know, it becomes a, oh, wait, hang on a minute. You know, this company sells a lot of software. My, my customer over here bought it. I got 10 more customers let's be strategic. Yeah. And, and once you have that, then it, it looks, starts looking more like, though not exactly more like a channel sale. It, it does. Right. So yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, I like that. Very cool. Well, Don, well, thank you for spending time with us. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it's uh, I, I can I can talk shop all day long when it comes to helping people sell. So, <laughs> well, I, I think yeah, well, I think we'll have you back on. We'll talk more about it because this is this is uh, yeah, not enough's being said about it. So yeah, we want to explore it more and and learn more about it. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to do it, and it's great. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way to do it, you can uh, you can find me on on LinkedIn. That's probably uh, the the fastest path because my email these days, like everybody else, is clogged up with a bunch of uh, software solutions and SDRs trying to sell me stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I typically yeah. have more substantive as, as, things going via LinkedIn. Right, and your LinkedIn inbox hasn't got to that point yet either, huh? I mean, my, you my know, it's, it's getting there. But if you're, you know, we're growing like crazy. We, you know, we're, we're we grew from 50 employees at the start of last year to over 200 uh, this year. And so we're growing across every, uh, every avenue. So LinkedIn's a great place to hit me. All right. Perfect. All right, Don, thank you. Thanks so much, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Don Addington, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.